A new year brings new opportunities. A fresh start to reset rhythms. What if you could enter a new zone of fresh focus and purpose? How would life be different? More fulfilling? Join us for an epic City First series. Find your flow and maximize the greatness God has placed within you. All right, hello City First. How's everybody doing today? Yeah? It's good to see all y'all, and I want to take a moment and just welcome everyone from our City First Church family. Uh, let's give a hand of applause to everybody who is online right now, joining us from all over the place, and also Cape Coral, God Behind Bars, which is our, our Dixon and our Hardy locations, and, and I want to say, is anybody on the Pando app that is joining us too at God Behind Bars, we want to welcome you also, and also hello to everybody here at Spring Creek and our State Line location. We are in this uh, series called Finding Your Flow, or Find Your Flow, and flow is a term, and we say this every week, but it might be your first week, it's a term that is used by athletes and by musicians and competitors and gamers and even business people that when they find themselves kind of getting in the zone, you could say, and they are just performing at an almost perfect level. Now, psychologists say that this is real, that flow is a state where you're hyper-focused on whatever activity you're doing. You're fully immersed in that activity, and, and, and you're, you're performing at a high level, and you also are having intense enjoyment, which, in other words, you're, you're loving life during that time. So we're asking ourselves this question in the month of January. What would it be like in 2021, and what would it look like if you found God's flow for your life? In other words, if you got in the zone, if you got in that state of flow, and we've already talked about eliminating distractions. Last week I talked about uh, making sure you're hearing the voice of God, and today I have a very, very important like next step in finding your flow, but let me take a moment and give a little forecast to next week. Next week we're talking about how to discover the will of God. Like, how do you figure out the will of God? And our very own Ryan Leak is going to be talking about that. So please make sure that next week you join us as we wrap up this series. And, and I get asked all the time, people are like, how do you find the will of God? You know, well, join us next week. But before we jump into this, this week's uh, topic, how many of you have ever been to a cheesecake factory before, a restaurant, right? Yeah, hands are up everywhere, probably at all auditoriums. I love cheesecake. I love their chicken Madeira, right? I'm making some of you hungry right now, especially those of you who are fasting. Uh, but anyway, you know, I love going to Cheesecake Factory from time to time, but I'll tell you one of the most frustrating things is trying to pick off the menu the exact dish that I want. Because if you've ever been to a Cheesecake Factory, it's like the menu is like an encyclopedia. I mean, it's huge. In fact, the menu averages at about 21 pages. There are over 250 different types of meals that you can order, all right? Of those 250 plus, 85 of them are chicken dishes. So you can pick 85 different ways to do chicken, right? And altogether, if you were to read the Cheesecake Factory menu from cover to cover, it has over 5,900 words. That's one-third of the length of Shakespeare's Macbeth, all right? I want you to think about that. If you read the whole menu, you'd read almost a third of Macbeth. So, I mean, it's super, super long. And like every time we go and our family is there, um, the, the waiter or the waitress comes and they're like, are you ready to order? And we're all, we're all like, no, we're only on page two. You know I mean? We're trying to figure out decisions, decisions, 
decisions. And, and how do you decide what you want to eat with all those decisions, right? Well, I started to think about it. I started to think, you know what? Life is not like a box of chocolates, but rather life is more like a Cheesecake Factory menu. And what I mean by that is there's all kinds of options. Like, like more than you can comprehend or take in. And in fact, you know, if, if anything, it's kind of like you, you, you can make a right decision and you can order the right thing and you can be satisfied. Or you could order maybe the wrong thing in life and you end up with a stomach ache per se, you know? And so today I want to talk to you about something that will honestly change your life. When I say that, I know that's a tall order. I realize it's a bold statement. Like, Pastor Jeremy, you're going to talk to us about something that's going to change. Yes, it could literally change your life. Now, every week when you come to City First, hopefully God uses something that can change your life. But today, 100% of us could get better in the topic that I want to talk about. 100% of us could learn something today. And that is... I've been thinking about it for quite some time, and I've been looking over the last year, especially in 2020, and I've, dis I've noticed that a lot of people are making decisions that don't put them into a state of flow, you could say. They're making decisions that actually take them out of the zone or out of flow. So today I want to talk to you about decision-making and how to make wise decisions. And all of us could get better at this. It doesn't mean that we're bad at it. Maybe some of us are, but you know, listen, I'm not saying we're bad. We could get better. We could always become more wise in our decision-making, right? Amen? Or am I the only one, right? So here, this is what I know. Your decisions not only determine the direction of your life, but the quality of your life. In fact, today, you are where you are at primarily due to the decisions you have made up until this point. In fact, your life has traveled in the path of your most dominant decisions that you've made. Yes, there's been things that have been out of your control. Yes, there have been people that have made decisions that have impacted your life. But I will tell you that it doesn't matter the decisions that they've made. I mean, I, I realize they've impacted your life. Your decisions have a much greater influence on where your life is at than even their decisions. I realize I just put some of you in a defensive posture when I said that. Because you'd like to say that the path that your life has traveled is actually someone else's fault. We always would like to kind of do one of these, right? However, this is what I know. I know that unless I take personal responsibility for the past, I will never change my future. And so even if someone made a decision that has impacted your life and it was out of your control, even if circumstances happened that were out of your control, your response, in other words, your decision on how you responded to that person or those circumstances is more powerful than even their decision that they made that influenced you. Because how we respond determines the path of our life, the decisions we make. That's why people that have had hellish situations can still have joy and can crawl out of that with God's help because they've decided to not allow that other person's decision or those circumstances to be dominant, but rather they've decided to say, I'm going to make right decisions and that's what's going to help me pull out of this. And so if it were always someone else's fault, 
If it was always someone else's fault for the life that you now have, then you are now disempowered to make a difference for your future. And I don't believe that to be true. I believe that your decision, coupled with Jesus's lordship and guidance, can actually give you a brighter future, regardless of the decisions you've made that have landed you where you are at. The future can be better with Jesus. Do you hear that? Jesus wants to be your greatest counselor so that you can make the best decisions possible. In fact, he wants to be your best friend. Imagine this for a moment. Imagine if uh, Elon Musk, he's now the richest uh, person in, in the world, on the planet, at least he was last week. Um, and you know what? Imagine if he were your best friend. Okay, you guys are like buds, all right? And he would give you counsel on making good decisions with your money. What kind, of, what kind of benefit would that be to you? In fact, I was talking to somebody recently. It's kind of funny. The richest man on the planet is doing everything he can to get off this planet. I think that's kind of funny. But anyway, um, what, would your, what would your friendship be like? Would that be beneficial to you? I think you would learn probably a thing or two about money, about the world, if you literally were best friends with Elon Musk. Or how about if you were best friends with LeBron James and you wanted to get better in your, you know, in your hoop game, okay? You, you just want to get better at basketball. Do you think that LeBron James being your best friend would benefit you? Yeah, right? How about if Bob Goff was your best friend and, and he gave you advice on loving others? Would you learn a little bit from that? How about if, if Warren Buffett was your best friend and, and he would give you advice on investing? Would you learn a little bit more about investing? Or, or back in the day, if Mother Teresa was your best friend, would you learn a little bit more about how to have compassion? See, my point is, is this. You benefit greatly by who you are up close to. And Jesus says this about you and him. He says this about our relationship that we're to have with him. He goes, I no longer call you servants. I have called you, what's that word? Friends. For everything that I've learned from my father. Wait a minute. Everything that Jesus has learned from God the Father, he says, I have made known unto you. Do you think this is a beneficial friendship? Do you think if Jesus is your best friend, the God of the universe, who knows everything, that you could benefit from that? You see, Jesus specifically said, I'm not calling you servants. I'm no longer calling you slaves. Even though he's Lord, even though he's king, and we are servants to him, guess what he says? He is the God that not only wants to be Lord, but he also wants to be a best friend. This is what distinguishes Christianity from every other religion, one of many things it does. And this right here is a God who we serve who also says, I want to be a friend. I want to be a friend with you. You see, we need to understand that good decision-making starts with accurate data and good counsel. So therefore, the people that are up close to us, hopefully they're giving us good information and also good counsel. And if Jesus is your best friend, then you're getting perfect data and you're getting perfect counsel. Do you understand that? Because what does a friend do? Well, a friend loves you and, uh, you know, a friend encourages you and they support you and they sometimes hold you accountable, right? And they listen to you and they believe in you. And Jesus does all of these things better than any human being on the face of the earth. 
That's why in 21 days of purpose, or 21 days, excuse me, of, of prayer, which is purpose, and fasting, and encourage, we're encouraging everyone to carve out time to pray because we want to become close to Jesus because he's the perfect counselor. He's the perfect friend. He is wise counsel. In fact, I'd say this. If you own a business, Jesus is your best business partner. If you are a, a student, Jesus is your wise teacher. If you are a stay-at-home parent, then Jesus is a wise advisor on how to train up children and how to be a great parent. You see, Jesus is a best friend. He's greater than even being a best friend. Yes, he knows the future. He's better than any other counselor because he actually knows what is going to happen in the future. He is more than a partner. He is our leader. He is our Lord. And he loves us and he calls us friend. I mean, it's so important to understand that. When you understand that Jesus loves you and he wants your life to win more than anyone in the universe wants your life to win, guess what that means? We can fully trust him and we can let our guard down. So many people have their guard up with God because they're, they're maybe afraid of him or, or, or they're thinking that God wants to get them or something like that. No, 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 listen. He wants to speak truth, but he is more than just speaking truth. He is the embodiment of truth. Therefore, his advice is absolutely perfect. For the remainder of our time together, I want to give you now five steps, five steps to good decision making. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. So if you are taking notes or you're on our app, taking notes on the app, be ready. Get those thumbs nimble, all right? Because we're going to go here. But these are, these are very important steps. And, and, and listen, don't just write them down today and never look at them again. But instead, look at them throughout the next week or weeks or months or years because it's going to help you make good decisions. First thing is this, you need to determine what kind of life you want to have. What kind of life do you want to have? Now, I know some of you are like going, well, that's super elementary. No, it, it starts there. I mean, what's your goal? In other words, what's your spiritual goal? What, what's your character goal? What kind of a man or a woman do you want to be? What, what's your physical or your health goal? In other words, what, what do you want your body to, to, how do you want to function? What do you want to look like? You know, what's your financial goal? What kind of financial stability would you like to have? What's your emotional goal? Now, some of you are like, oh, an emotional goal? Yeah, trust me, in 2021 and in 2020, we needed, <laughs> we needed to be able to control our emotions more than about anything, right? So listen, yeah, we have to have emotional goals. How about, how about what's our career goal? What's our family or our relationship or our marriage goal? What is our material goal? You say, what's a material goal? Well, maybe let's say you're in an apartment right now and someday you want to own your own home. So that's a material goal. That's a good goal. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? So what are those goals for your life? What does your life look like if I say to you, you want to be in the flow in 2021? What do you picture in your mind when I say these things? What are you, what are you thinking? Well, I want my marriage to look this way, or I want my best friendships to look this way, or I want my career to look this way, I want my, my, my bank account to look a certain way. What is it that you are envisioning, all right? What does that life of flow look like to you? It has to start there. It has to start there. But unfortunately, with most people, it stops there. In other words, they envision the dream. They, they, they paint the picture in their mind of the life that they would like to have. And then it just stops. And here's the problem. That's not a goal. That's a wish. All right? Because, number two, what decisions do I have to make to achieve my goal? 
I need to ask myself a question, not just the kind of life I want to have, but what decisions do I have to make because it requires that. If I don't make decisions that are in correspondence with the goal, then guess what? It's just a wish. In other words, you will not achieve your goal by mistake. It's not going to just hit you like lightning. It's not just going to show up at your front door. It's not just going to materialize, but rather it's something that you have to make decisions that kind of guide your life towards that goal. In fact, I'm going to say something that may even make some of you theologically scratch your head, but just because you pray for it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Because you could pray for it, but if you're not, if you're not having actions that correspond with your prayers, then guess what? It's not going to work. In fact, in fact, I'd say this, I, I'm really just, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm really shocked because a lot of times people don't understand that it's not just faith, but it's also actions. And so it requires both faith and corresponding actions, not actions, I, not just any action, corresponding actions to your faith, ones that are in line with your faith. I'm so surprised that, that people just kind of expect God to give them the life that they desire and it doesn't require any of their effort they don't think and that's not true in fact that's a lie it requires you to make right choices to make wise choices and sometimes to make very 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 difficult decisions like the bible says it this way faith without works is dead in other words pointless I remember um, a student from many, many, many years ago that was a part of our post-high school program. It's now called the City First Leadership College, and we love our leadership college students. They are a part of our church and the fabric of this church, the very fiber of this church. They're being trained up to be world changers. I mean, I, I love it, all right? And, and back in the day, um, it, was, it used to be called the Rockford Masters Commission. I used to run that program. And, and uh, this was many, many moons ago, all right? And I remember there was this one student that was falling behind in, in his tuition. And, you know, every week I'd get a tuition report of all the students that maybe, you know, were falling behind or still need to pay their tuition or whatever. And, and, and this person was getting way, way behind. And so we decided as a staff that we would allow the student to go home for uh, winter break, for Christmas break, um, a couple weeks early because they needed to work and they needed to raise money for their tuition. And so, um, you know, we, we allowed this person to go home. And after Christmas break, uh, the person came back, this guy came back, student, and uh, I got the report the next week, and I noticed that the amount that he owed was the exact same amount that he owed previous to his extended winter break. And I remember thinking, well, this is weird. And so I called him in my office, and I'm like, hey, bro, I'm noticing, like, like you know, we sent you home to, to work a little bit extra uh, time, and you'd wanted that, and we gave permission for that. But I've noticed that you still owe the exact same amount, like literally to the penny, that what you owed previous. And did you not raise any money or whatever? And he goes, oh, man, Pastor Jerry, I, I, I mean, I tried, I tried to find work, and I just couldn't find any. And I go, really? I go, well, uh, how, many, how many job applications did you fill out? And it got really awkward. Because at that moment, the student was like, well, uh, uh, and kind of fumbling, was like, uh, well, Pastor Jerry, I, I really, I didn't fill out any job applications. I'm like, well, okay, well, did, did you go in any places? Did you go to any businesses and, and kind of like, you know, ask if they were hiring? Did you, did you go anywhere and ask, you know? Well, not really. 
I said, so, okay, let me get this straight. You didn't ask anybody if they were hiring. You didn't even ask anyone if they knew anybody that was hiring. And you didn't fill out any job applications. Well, how did you expect your tuition to get paid? He goes, like, oh, I've been praying a lot over the last six weeks. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, okay. I, I, had a, I had a really good kind of like come to Jesus talk with him. <laughs> kind of like a, a fatherly talk with him as, as if he was my son. And, and, and what, I've, what I've discovered is, is this, is that God will not compensate for our laziness. And, 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 and that God is not going to just answer prayers unless we have corresponding actions that align with the desired goal. And that's not just with finances. If I were to eat 50 twi Twinkies a day, in 10 years, as my body shuts down, I'm not sure God is going to answer my prayers for healing. I know it just got super awkward. Again, I know I'm stepping on people's toes today, but this is what I want you to do. I'd rather you be a little frustrated with me as your pastor, but that you actually realize the life of flow that God has for your life than for me to make you feel good and tickle your ears and you walk out of here with the same broken habits. I would rather instead for you to feel a little uncomfortable. Is that okay? Is that cool? All right, let's, you know, because this is what I've noticed. God cannot bless he can only bless, excuse me, right decisions that we make. He cannot bless our intentions. He cannot bless our wishes. All right, let's move to the next point because I realize it's getting awkward. Number three, make decisions based on your goals, not on your feelings. Make decisions based upon your goals, not on your feelings. You see, if you make good decisions, you're going to have fewer regrets down the road. In fact, are the decisions that I'm making right now bringing me closer to my goals of closeness with Jesus? Is it making me achieve my goals of having better character? Are the decisions I'm making right now like lining up with my goals of being healthier as a person or strengthening my marriage or, or, or me finding flow in general? You see, see, are the decisions I'm making now are they bringing me closer to those goals? Because we got to understand that, that, that our, our long-term impact of our choices either write a positive story or a negative story for our life. In fact, are the decisions that you're making right now, are they writing the story that you want to tell your grandkids someday? Are they writing the story that you want to tell your kids someday or your best friends? Are the decisions that you're making, are they writing the story that you want? See, most people make decisions based upon what they feel in the moment. It's like, well, I feel this or I don't feel this or, you know, whatever else. And that's how they make their decisions. In fact, the greatest example of this, and I say this all the time, is social media. I mean, people just vomit on social media. It's what they feel, and then they have to go back there and like, I'm so sorry, I was having a rough day, or whatever, okay? It's like, okay, we have to have a true north in our lives of conviction. The conviction of what we want our life to look like someday. A conviction that drives our decision making. And, and when it comes to wise decision making, feelings have a very small voice in the matter. 
It doesn't mean that they don't speak into it. Feelings, yes, can speak into it. But the voice is small compared to the voice of conviction. The voice of conviction is what should really drive it. In fact, if you have a financial goal and you're like, I want to be financially sound, then, then you have to not give in to the feeling of impulse buying, right? Or if you have a relationship goal and you want your, your marriage to be stronger, then, then listen, you can't give in to the feeling of wanting to flirt with somebody else then outside of your spouse. It's okay to flirt with your spouse, okay? But you see my point? You see, spiritually, if you want to have a tight relationship or a closeness with God, with Jesus himself, that means that you don't give in to the feeling of not wanting to pray, but rather you pray. Same with health, same with emotions, same with all of these things. Number four, you have to be honest with yourself. And this is where you and I trip up a lot because we are not honest with ourselves. Many times we try to trick ourselves. If you really think about it, it's kind of interesting that we do this. But Annie Stanley says that one of the keys to good decision-making is honesty. Now, Andy, if you've never heard of him before, he is a pastor, uh, pretty nationally known. He actually just wrote a book. And, and you know what? This book I'm going to talk about here in a moment. But this book is called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And I would highly, highly suggest getting this book because this book will help you make better decisions. In fact, a, a few of the thoughts today I actually took out of this book and and you know he, he talks about the fact that that you need to be honest honest about what what do you have to be honest about well about being truthful with yourself because we have a unique ability to convince ourselves that bad decisions are good decisions we do it all the time right and, and so here's the thing. A lot of times people, we, we have this desire to do something. And so what we do is we formulate a plan. We've already kind of made the decision and then we ask God to bless it. That's usually how we do things. In other words, we already know what we're going to do. We just want God to bless it. In other words, we're looking for justification of the decision that we've already decided to make. Andy Stanley says it this way. He says that most of us, want to be proven right more than we want to know what's true. We're not on a truth quest. We're on confirmation quests. In other words, we already know that we're going to approach that person. We're already going to make this decision. We're already going to do whatever. We already know that. But now what we want to do is we want to just pray to God. Oh, God, will you just bless this? Bless my plan? Never asking God is this your plan, right? In fact, how do we find truth in decision-making uh, is, is whether it's going to be wise or not. How do we do that? Well, I think there's four ways. I'm going to give them real quick to you, A, B, C, and D, okay? Four ways. First of all, you search the Word of God. Search the Word of God. There's a lot of wisdom in there. You're like, well, the Word of God doesn't talk about how we're supposed to act on social media. Well, it actually does. It doesn't use the term social media, but it talks about character. It talks about restraint. It talks about wisdom. It talks about listening more and speaking less. I mean, so there's a lot of things that God's word speaks to about current situations, even if, not, if it's not naming the current situation. B, seek the counsel of God. In other words, pray, remember Jesus being your best friend. C, ask good questions. This is a big one. A lot of times we don't ask good questions. Good questions lead to better decisions. And on the backside of 
bad decisions, most of the time we're like, man, I wish I would have asked a better question. I just wish I would have asked a better question. And D, seek counsel from those with wisdom and especially those who know you best. This is so big. You see, I would say if you are making a significant decision in life and you have not included those who know you best, you may be in danger of making a bad decision. Here's the reason why. Because many times we avoid people who know us best when we want to make big decisions. We avoid them. We're like, I'm not going to ask my mom. I'm not going to ask my brothers or sisters. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask my life group leader. I'm not going to ask, you know, my best friends because I know what they're going to say. So I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to manage my decision avoiding them. And I'm going to talk to all the people who are going to tell me what I want to hear. Kind of like Jonah, when God said, go to Nineveh, and he said, I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going to get on a boat. And so what did he do? He got in a boat with a bunch of people who are going the same direction as him. And many times that's what we do. Instead of maybe asking the people who know us best that are going to point us in the direction that we don't want to go, we instead get on a ship of fools and we sail in the opposite direction. We get with a bunch of people who are like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, you should do that. That's awesome. In fact, I think God would even say that's really good. It's like, no, we're just surrounding ourselves in the echo chamber of what we want to hear. Andy Stanley says this, when friends ask uninvited questions in regard to our decisions, if our defense goes up, our learning aptitude goes down. If your decision cannot sustain the difficult questions of those who know you best, I will tell you, you need to reconsider your decision because a good decision will have a good answer to tough questions. Lastly, number five, realize the results of our decisions do not manifest immediately. In other words, good and bad decisions. They don't, the results don't happen immediately. In fact, private decisions over time have public outcomes. It's not like you go to the gym for a week and you leave and you're like, wow, I have a Greek godlike body. This is amazing. <laughs> that doesn't happen. It takes weeks, months. It takes a long time. And in the same way, your marriage is not fixed by one good date night. In the same way, you don't become close to Jesus because of one good worship time on a Sunday morning at City First. In fact, you have to continually make decisions and they manifest later. In fact, good decisions early or now make for less hard decisions later. If you make the good decisions now, you're still going to have to make hard decisions later, but you're not going to have to be doing triage. You know what I'm saying? And so the verse that talks about this is in Proverbs 27. It says the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple, they keep going and they pay the penalty. You see, Make your good decisions early. Make your wise decisions early. Some of you are like going, oh, it feels too late. No, 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 no. You can start today. Make your good decisions now so that your future doesn't have to be a 911. Make your good decisions now so that your future, you're not doing triage and bandaging it up. Your, your good, wise decisions now will eventually reap a harvest of 
the life that you desire, a life of flow. And, and so if you make your good decision starting today, literally starting today, and you keep doing it, and I realize there's gonna be tough days and you may kind of drop the ball at that point, we'll pick it back up again the next day. Listen, for us to find flow in 2021, we need to be good decision makers. And for some of us in the room today, some of us online, some of us in your own living room today, maybe the best decision you can make is to say, you know what, I need Jesus to be the ultimate leader, the Lord of my life. That's a Bible term, Lord. Lord means ruler over all. So he's ruler over your spiritual goals, over your financial goals, over your health goals, over your career goals, over your marriage goals, over your best friend goals, all of those things that he's Lord. And for some of us, what we've been doing is we've been trying to make the decision ourselves. I wanna ask you, do you wanna invite Jesus to be the best friend, the perfect counselor, the Lord of your life, and also to forgive you for all the bad decisions you've made, because we all made them. If that's you, then I'd love to just pray a prayer with you, okay? So let's bow our heads before we close today. Close our eyes. And if you say, that's me, I want to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life. You saw that testimony of Paul earlier who got baptized. He's like, I made that decision to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life. If that's you, you could do that today. Today could be your day. You can decide to make Jesus Lord and Savior. And if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, will you, if you say, I want to make Jesus the leader, and I want to ask for forgiveness for all the bad decisions I made, just raise your hand and put it up and put it right back down again. Yep, hands are up. I guarantee you at every location, even maybe in your living room right now. So let's all pray this prayer together. Not just those that raise their hands, but everybody so that no one feels left out. Can we all pray this prayer together to become better decision makers? You ready? Here we go. Jesus, I come to you today and I ask that you would become the leader and the forgiver of my life. Be in charge. Come into my life. I want to live for you. Forgive me of all my bad decisions and all my sin. Thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know what? If you prayed that prayer, that was the best decision that you could ever make. Come on, everybody. Let's go ahead and give a round of applause to everybody that prayed that prayer, all right?